And we're back, Stripe Show Podcast. On a Monday, I'm your host, Travis Fulton. Thank you for making us part of your day. Stripe Show Podcast brought to you by Encore Golf. Encore designs high-performance golf ball for players of all skill levels and swing speeds. We appreciate you uh, hanging in there as uh, Lee Jansen finally puts away Miguel and Jimenez in the playoff. And now we can get to our regular scheduled program. Oh yeah. PGA tour golf. Let's not forget about that. Maybe we want to watch that. The debacle that was uh, on TV as they finally tuned into Rory, Ricky, Colin. Maybe you've heard of those three trying to win a tournament in Vegas and to help us break that down. And others, you know, him as Ryan Ballinger. How you doing, man? Good, Travis. How are you? Thanks for having me on. So we got to start there, don't we? I mean, let me get this straight. You've got all these streaming services. You've got the Golf Channel app. You've got Peacock app. You've got a TV network. And you've got 24 of the top 30 players in Vegas. You've got 37 of the top 50. Incredible field, limited field, 78 CJ Cup at the Summit in Vegas. And here's Ricky Fowler, uh, big name. Haven't seen him in a while, right? He's been struggling. All of a sudden, he's found his game. He's battling a guy by the name of Rory McIlroy and Colin Morikawa, the rising young star that is two-time major champion winner. And here they are, three guys tied. And Ryan, we can't watch it. It's nowhere to be found. What is happening? What is happening with golf coverage? This was this felt like a nadir to me. Like it, it, this couldn't have done any worse. And I and I I think my frustration lies in the fact that in all of their infinite wisdom, the the tour and Golf Channel got together on a coverage window and decided it would be the exact same coverage window as last week's Shriners Children's Open, which had a dramatically weaker field, but it had the exact same time window, five to eight p.m. Eastern. Mm-hmm. Thinking they're fundamentally the same because they're on the West Coast. Well. You also had a dramatically better field, just like you alluded to, 37 of the world top 50. Uh, you had three really popular players battling down the stretch, and you you can't even watch anything but eight holes. We got eight holes of golf yesterday, of live golf. You didn't even get anything pre-taped, uh, nothing. It was just twiddling your thumbs until Lee Jansen, thank goodness, birdied the first playoff hole. Yeah, no doubt. Just imagine if that went three or four holes and the frustration that we all would have felt. We probably would have seen six holes at best live. So it just feels like there is some kind of miscommunication here. And I don't know what it is or who it's between, but to to effectively place the CJ Cup, a 78-player limited field event with really good players playing for $10 million on the same time slot as last week's event. I'm sorry, that's just a a colossal error. Well, and and, and you've got streaming coverage, right? So... Why is it that you can't put the champions tour on over there and then bring the CJ cup on television or just, you know, worst case scenario, flip it around. Why does it have to be the same? I mean, it just, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm not going to act like I know how to produce live golf and TV because I don't, but if I've got streaming apps and I've got, you know, I know I've got the TV and I've got all these, you know, things upon my you know, discretion that I can put out there, right? I can put, I can put PGA tour over here. I can put champions tour over here. I can put, and I know what my audience wants. I know what they want to watch, right? That's pretty given. Like the PGA tour is 
dominating when it comes to what people want to watch in golf. And I've got these top players playing together down the stretch in fall, which is going to be, this is certainly going to be the best tournament of the fall. Yeah. And I can't find it anywhere on TV. None of these apps. I just, it just doesn't make any sense to me. It's, it's maddening really. And there's Thursday, Friday for PGA tour live in the fall. They don't do it all four days. Like they do once we get to the new year and kind of get past Hawaii. Yeah. And, and I, I can understand that. Okay. You realize that the audience is more limited for events in the fall. I mean, look at the ratings compared to what's happening in football compared yeah. to what you see in the spring. It's just a sliver of it because it's on cable. I got all that, but you mean to tell me we can't just fire up PGA tour live for a couple holes uh, on a Saturday or Sunday, knowing how the leaderboard is. I, I, again, I, I'm yeah. not pretending to be someone who runs PGA tour entertainment or the golf channel. Uh, but the, the people are out there. I mean, they're there working. I, I would watch just guys walking the golf course with no audio just so I could see them playing. You could just throw up graphics. You don't even have to put up graphics. Just tell yeah. me what hole they're on and just have a running leaderboard. And I, we would watch it. We're sickos. Yeah. We will watch it. Um, so it's just kind of staggering to me that they're not willing to put that product on, given you know, it's, what they knew was going to happen. Yeah, I mean, it's Rory McIlroy. It's Ricky Fowler. It's Colin Morikawa. It's three of your biggest names. Anyway, we could beat that up for the entire show. I, you know, you know, I, I, I can't imagine something like that ever happens again. Um, but with these TV contracts coming up and, you know, it's gonna be interesting to see what happens. You know, we know we're certainly inundated with a lot of commercials and golfs, you know, it's kind of difficult to follow along. Um, because of all the commercials and, you know, it's a, there's a lot of balls in the air and, and this and that. Um, so I don't know, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with, with coverage and with all these streaming opportunities, but you've got to put the PGA tour on, especially when your biggest names are battling and tied with nine, 10 holes to go. And one of those guys was, was Rory McElroy who, you know, it's interesting when you watch Rory right now in the way that he's winning, he's winning with his driver and his putter, his approach game hasn't been good. In fact, the last four tournaments he's played in, he's been in the negative. In fact, at the CJ cup, he was negative 3.6 strokes gain approach. You just don't see that number and come out as a winner very yeah. often. It happens occasionally, but Rory wins off the tee plus 5.4 and he wins with the putter plus six. And I got to tell you all of a sudden Rory to me looks very comfortable with this putter. Um, this is four tournaments in a row where he's been positive strokes game putting. I think he's still doing some work with Brad Jackson. Um, he looks comfortable. If Rory wins with this putter and the, and the iron game is going to, you know, it's going to bubble up. I mean, he's going to get that ironed out, but if Rory wins with his putter, man, sign me up because you've got some great golf coming for this guy. Yeah. I mean, it, and I was having this argument, not argument, but discussion yesterday on Twitter after he won. Okay. Rory is 18, 18 to one to win the masters. If you think about probabilities, that seems cheap. If you want to think about betting that tournament months in advance, you should probably put some money on him today. And the responses back were, well, he's not a good putter. Well, to your point, he is streaky, but he's coming around on the right side of that. By the time we get to March, it could be the 
total opposite. We could be going back the other way again. And I get that. But when McElroy putts well, it's lights out. That's the big difference between when he wins and when he doesn't is when he feels good over putts. And right now he feels good over putts. Now, right now he's also swapping what you would expect from his approach play with his putter. But if, like you said, the approach play comes back to the mean. And even if the putter comes back to the mean a little bit, he feels confident driving it well. He's almost always going to do that. And it feels like he's been resolved to come back to his draw and try to work in a fade here and there. So if he can do that comfortably and just kind of average out the putter and the approach play, he's going to win a bunch of times uh, in the next couple of years. And one of those is probably bound to be a major. Yeah. I mean, it's 20 wins now um, on the PGA tour. He was 10 shots back going into the weekend, but of course this golf course, the summit club, I mean, you just opened up your app and someone was six under through six, every, every single day. I mean, they're just, I think it was like, what, three or four holes played over par. I believe the entire, I mean, they're just dismantling these courses in Vegas. Sunjay wins the Shriners at 24 under and here's Rory at 25. It's a birdie fest, which I don't mind, you know, especially this time of year, you're going against the NFL. So, you know, you gotta, you gotta keep it with the action out there. If we can see it on TV, um, you know, I don't mind a birdie fest here in the fall out there in Vegas. I kind of like these kind of like back to back in Vegas, Vegas, to be honest. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was kind of nice and, you know, a little West coast time zone golf. And, you know, I know they're supposed to be, uh, they're supposed to be in Korea, but uh, maybe there's a way to kind of do back to back in Vegas. The Shriners of course um, will be a staple there at TPC Summerlin, but I just kind of, my last thought here on Rory, uh, he's working with Pete Cowan um, and, you know, you look at the work that, that he did, his iron game was very solid for the bulk of the summer. His putter to your point was a little up and down. His driver was okay. And now you're really seeing this uptick with his driver. Like his driver really is coming to life. I mean, he looks confident again and all of a sudden his iron game is not quite as polished, but yet his putter looks like it's the strength. So it's like, he feels like things are kind of moving in the right direction, gaining confidence. And if we get that peak intensity Rory and he's focused and his iron game can get up to speed with this putter, he'll be tough um, at Augusta. It's so far away, but I just think in general, I just like watching Pete Rory when he's focused and he's hitting on cylinders. The dude makes the game look so easy. And he's must watch, I, you know, Dustin Johnson, Rory McIlroy engaged, focused, playing well as much watch is must watch TV for me. Like those are the two guys that make it look so easy. It's, I mean, it's fun to watch. It's also maddening to watch because you, you realize, especially if you actually get into the statistics of how McIlroy won it 25 under par, he didn't have, but maybe his C game approach play wise and destroyed a golf course. Right. And it looked really easy. Yep. And I, I that that's really weird to watch when McElroy wins like that, where it's like right. I didn't even play my best, and I I won easily. And he didn't win easily. I mean, Morikawa put yeah. it to him and made him think about it. But I mean, with, we were with four or five holes left. It's like this is over. Uh, there's there's no way Morikawa is catching him, and there's no way McElroy's moving backward. And I appreciate that the the broadcasters have to make it kind of seem like there was maybe some kind of doubt that this was going to turn out to maybe be a playoff or reverse, but it was done. And I, yeah. I think McElroy knew it too. He just had to get to the house and he did it. And uh, it, like you said, made it look 
really simple. And that is some of the best kind of golf to watch. It's when you yeah. just watch somebody tear apart a course. Well, I think, I think as a fan, you like watching things that you, you know that you can't do, right? Like you can't even sniff it. Like I can't do that. There's very 0.00001% can play professional golf. And then even those guys that are out there, there's only a few of them that can actually do what you see Rory do, you know, and make it look that easy and win with a B plus game. You know, we saw Tiger win all the time with this B game. I think Spieth has that capabilities and, and when he had it going and DJ certainly does. And I think Rom probably will also with as dominant as his ball striking can be and his putting is right there with it. Um, it's just, you, you can't do it. So you, you sit there and you watch it and you marvel in it. And it's just, he just makes it look very, very easy. His speed with his driver, I think is impressive. Um, it's the modern game. You know, you just vomit, you know, be dominant with your driver. You're, you got to have your good putting weeks, short game, you know, don't be a dog. And, you know, you got to win in the approach game more times than not. But when you're Rory McIlroy, I guess you don't have to. Like, you can, you can win without it, as he did at the CJ Cup. I want to get to Ricky Fowler here in a second. But before, because I got a lot of thoughts on Ricky. He's an interesting person to me right now. And watching him play this week and what's going on with his game. But before we get to Ricky, you've got some stuff coming up, Ryan. You've uh, some, some speaking of media you've got a big launch coming up. I don't know how much you can share with us, but just share with my viewers some things that you've got going um, with golf news net and uh, the programming that we're going to be seeing here very soon. Very exciting uh, for us. Uh, so we've signed a three-year deal with iHeartMedia. Media. Uh, we're going to launch what's called golf news net radio come January, be our full launch. Uh, it's going to be a 24 seven golf talk channel free to access. Uh, it'll be the only one like it in North America, and it'll be available through iHeart's mobile apps, TV apps, uh, your Android Auto and CarPlay apps, smart speakers will be on our website. Uh, we'll probably have a couple other platforms we can share in a com the coming weeks as well for it on the audio side. And I I'm just so excited because I love, I, I told you, I, I love audio. I, I love doing this. I love talking about golf more than writing about golf. Mm -hmm. And for a long time, did a podcast, did a show even before there was such a thing as an iPod and just love the format. And so it's really cool to be able to have this opportunity to bring all kinds of different voices in, talk about so many different topics in golf. And there's so many sub niches in our niche of a sport. And we want to give it kind of proper run, proper course uh, with this new station. And we're just very excited to be able to kind of start piecing it all together and, and put it out there for the world to hear. That's awesome. Well, congratulations. We'll, uh, we'll be be sure to tune into that as it starts to roll out there on iHeartRadio. And um, yeah, golf's in a great spot. I mean, it, it really is. There's a, there's a lot to talk about. I was on Friday, Samantha and I were on the pod and she asked me about what my thoughts were on Tiger. And I was like, you know, it's interesting. It's on one hand, it's really exciting to see Tiger standing there, no pain with his kid, enjoying life. And I think there's no doubt he's coming back. Like he's, I think he's going to play again. And that's phenomenal for the sport. We know that Tiger's the needle. There's never been anybody like him. Maybe Arnie when he put it on TV, but Tiger's the man. I mean, he is the needle. There's no one else. Um, now in saying that without Tiger this year, for the first time, Ryan, I found myself really engaged with the rest of these young guns. Like, 
And it all came to flourishing at the Ryder Cup and how dominant this young group of American players were. They turned the page and it's like our time. This is our time now. And they dominated it. And you could see it throughout the year with the Morikawas, um, the Patrick Cantleys, the Xanders, right? And I found myself not forgetting about Tiger, but kind of forgetting about Tiger. You know, I mean, like the next generation's here. Golf's in a good spot. And oh, now we get Tiger back. Do you feel like you are constantly overshooting greens or coming up short because you choose the wrong club? Well, if that's the case today, is your lucky day because I'm proud to announce my brand new partnership with the boys over at Pinned Golf. Their brand new Ace Rangefinder is amazing and it's only $199. I've been using it for a couple weeks now and I was blown away with the quality. It has a slope technology, pin locked vibration technology. So you know exactly when you are locked onto your target tour lever accuracy. And best of all, it is powered by a USB charge. So you can forget about those little batteries. Every other rangefinder makes you buy one 45 minute charge lasts you 50 plus rounds. I love it. Our friends over at pin golf are hooking up all of our listeners with $25 off and free shipping. When you use code stripe show, that's code stripe show. I'm telling you. For $175, you simply cannot beat the Ace Rangefinder. Head out over to pingolf.com and get yourself the Ace and get dialed in. This is like perfect timing for launching a, a news media <laughs> for you, isn't it? And I feel like we got from Tiger and Phil both, uh, 19 Masters this year's PGA, we got the kind of the send-off. Not, not that they're never going to win again. I mean, Tiger could come back and and do incredible things. Phil's got five years of exemption on the PGA tour right. uh, in all the majors because of what he did in May. So it's not like they're going anywhere, but it feels like if that's the capper, we got it. We got these historic moments between the two giants of this generation. And like you said, at the Ryder cup, neither of them were a part of it. And that team was incredible yep. and they played phenomenal golf. And I, I think that was a watershed moment for American golf in the Ryder cup too. And it felt like a sense of, okay, we can move on now. We can move on from Tiger and Phil being the best, but also just getting smashed every time out in the Ryder Cup. And maybe there is a transition happening here. And I think that there was some effort toward that unintentionally in 2015 and 16 when Tiger was dealing with back issues and mm -hmm. all the back surgeries and trying to come back and false start after false start because we had Spieth, we had McElroy, we had DJ. And now I feel like they're more familiar faces and they've kind of backstopped themselves. They've got all multiple major winners. And now we've got Morikawa and we've got hopefully Matthew Wolf continues to develop. We've got Victor Hovland, a bunch of other young players. Cantley has come into his own DeChambeau. I mean, let's go down the list of the whole Ryder Cup team. They're all there. Yeah. And they feel like they're going to be there for a long time to come. And I think that puts golf in a good spot. We got that transition that the sport needed to the next yeah. generation. And you could still have some appreciation for whatever Phil and Tiger have left in the tank. And, and I think that the, the American team, and I said that, that this was a must win. I thought they would win. And I thought that we would turn the page next generation and they were dominant. And it was, it was, I thought that was important, not just for the Ryder cup, but for golf, like, okay, these young Americans are going to be tough to deal with. Scotty Scheffler. We didn't even talk about Sam Burns. didn't even make the team. I thought he should have been on the team. But here's a guy scratching. I mean, that dude's intense. He's won twice now. I mean, so 
just in a good spot. It really is. It's, it's, it's fun to see. And, um, you know, tiger coming back, he'll just elevate it to another stratosphere for these guys to perform. Um, and he'll get out there and compete. I'm sure. And Phil still got a little left. Although I think Phil, let me ask you this, Ryan, Phil seems a little overly confident to me right now. Like he's dominating the champions tour. He's, you know, he's won three or four. He's holding court still on the PGA tour with these young guys. And you know, that that's feeding his ego, right? And he wins the PGA and he reminds all of us about that every week on Twitter. And it's funny. And I like Phil, but he's chirping a lot right now at the PGA tour. I, I, I felt like a couple uncharacteristic things really in Twitter and saying that how disappointed he was. And I'm paraphrasing this not, but you know, he basically talking that he, he was, disappointed in the tour that he had to find out through the media about this 46 inch length ban. Like no one's going to go longer than that with the driver. Um, and there was nothing that came from the tour itself. And then Rory came out and said, yeah, we were in the meetings. Everyone's, you know, kind of like Phil chill out, you know, it just seems like lately Phil's been a little outspoken and has taken his beef publicly to the tour. You don't see that very often. What's going on there? It seems like he's just, is he overly confident or does he, does he have a case here with this 46 inch driver? I think he seems to go through these fits and starts where he feels like something gets, there's a, you know, something in his crawl and he's just not going to let it go Mm -hmm. until he feels like he gets to say his piece. I mean, he's done it with wedge regulations. He's done it with, scheduling he's done it with this now with the the driver length model local rule and he never seems to come out for the better for it it's not like he speaks out and then all of a sudden someone backtracks whether it's the usga or the pga tour and they go hey you know phil you were right thanks for embarrassing us in public it never works out that way (laughs) and i don't think it ever works out that way really for any player um most of that stuff happens in private and then for for rory to come out and say yeah, we've been in the room and we've kind of been telling you guys about this. So this was kind of coming um, that to kind of put the, the set the things right for McElroy uh, being on the player advisory council. So I, I think, I don't think Phil's co- overly cocky. I just think this is who he is. He feels yeah. he's got an issue. He's going to talk about it until he feels like he said his piece and then golf just moves on and does whatever it's going to do anyway. Um, I, I, I mean, I think I agree with him that fundamentally reducing the maximum length of a driver from 48 to 46 inches impacts a very small percentage of his peers. The only person I think that two people that most dramatically affects are Bryson DeChambeau and Brooke Henderson, because they've both kind of made a little bit of a, a hay playing 148 inch drivers. But beyond that, if it feels like the USGA and the RNA got together and said, Hey, we can set a precedent here for bifurcating the equipment rules and setting a model local rule is a test for that and seeing if everyone's okay with that, then we can take the next step, whatever that is, whether that's rolling back the ball or whether that's CT, what, whatever it needs to be to regulate how far the golf ball goes, they've set a precedent. If you were cool with getting rid of two inches off your driver, then you can't be mad. You can't sue us about whatever we're going to do next because you took that. So I think more than anything else, this was a precedent setting move for whatever mm-hmm they come up with next. Yeah. And it Dylan Fratelli is the only other one, by the way, Oh yeah, that has yep. it. That's it. I mean, there's three guys. It's Phil Bryson and Dylan on the PJ tour. 
Brooke Henderson, to your point, I think Jim Furyk's a little bit longer too uh, on the Champions Tour. Uh, but yeah, here, here's Phil. Uh, here's his exact tweet. And I quote, it is extremely disappointing to find out the PGA tour adopted the new USGA rule through the media. I don't know of any player who had any say or any kind of representation in the matter. I do know many are wondering if there's a better way. And of course, Rory's like, um, uh, we were we actually, we've been having meetings on this and like this, everyone knew this was, so it's just, it's, um, it's interesting right now. Um, with Phil and uh, his thoughts and all that. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure Jay Monahan, Jay Monahan had a conversation with him. Pretty sure. I, I would After. be kind of stunned if, uh, if he was completely in the dark on this, or, or maybe he yeah. just didn't check his email yeah. or something, you know, the, the player weekly newsletter or something. I mean, sometimes I miss the kindergarten newsletter for my daughter's class and, <laughs> you know, I get a little surprised too, but uh <laughs> Usually it doesn't impact my, my career like that. All right. Let's talk about Ricky Fowler. Um, is he back first time in a long time? We've seen Ricky up there and looked that comfortable, drove the ball like a champ. Speaking of getting some speed back 320 yards, he was fifth in the field and accurate hit 45 of 56 fairways dominant with the driver. Um, iron game looked good. It's kind of like reverse Ricky. Usually, beat you up with his putter he didn't right that was his weakness but his ball striking was great and here's here's rory now beating you with this putter. i don't know it's all thrown i mean everybody's like what what are we doing here like who are these people but ricky had to feel so good leaving vegas hitting the ball like he did yeah and i i think if, if we went back to this conversation about what modern golf is modern golf is we have this old notion that you and i were probably taught in the old saying of you know, drive for show, putt for dough. That's not it. That, no. that ain't it. It's it's drive for dough, putt for show. Um, and I think for for Ricky, the big thing is adjusting to what modern golf is. He got by for a long time having a masterful short game and being somewhat erratic otherwise. But if you can kind of flip the script, I, I mean, truthfully, I, I would rather be a, a bad putter or a relatively bad putter and be a much better ball striker because week to week, you're going to give yourself a lot of chances. Uh, I think, I mean, Colin Morikawa is not the best putter in the world, uh, but he's there everywhere. His game goes everywhere because he's a great ball striker. So I think that's what Ricky's kind of trying to figure out here. And if again, going back to coming back to the mean, if his putting comes back to the mean of what he has historically been, once he feels really comfortable with the stuff that he's doing and he looked comfortable on Sunday didn't play his best, but he gave himself good chances. If he feels comfortable doing that stuff week to week and the putting, he can focus on getting back a little bit. I, I don't see a win being that far off. I mean, it's possible. So uh, he's back in the top 100 in the world. Uh, he's got to kind of take some baby steps here. I mean, he's not even eligible for the players yet, which is kind of crazy being a past winner of it. And he's kind of got to work up to, okay, I'm back in the top 100. Now let's get back in the top 50. Now let's get back in the top 25 and he can do those things, but it's, it's going to take getting in situations like this and seeing what he's doing, paying off. And I, I think that goes a long way for, for anybody at, at this level. It's well put. I, you know, I think when you look at the modern game, um, yeah, you, you've got to win off the tee. Um, you've got to have, you know, that length is certainly has huge value. Um, we know that the further you're hitting it down there, if you're keeping it relatively in front of you, if it's 
in the first cut of the rough or you're a little bit more in the rough than say your counterpart. I mean, all right, you can, you can still get away with that. Your iron game approach game normally has to be solid. You know, you got to be winning there. And to your point, like a Morikawa, a Justin Thomas, you're giving yourself ample opportunities. And eventually, you know, that putter is going to come around. JT is a very streaky putter. Morikawa is a streaky putter. And these guys win when they putt good. And Morikawa putted good. And he almost got to the finish line and won um, this week. And leading up to that, he was abysmal the last three times out. He lost like five or six putting. So, yeah, I always say, look, give me, give me, give me some length. I want to be longer than average off the tee. I want to be a great approach game player. I'm okay being mediocre short game. Maybe even slightly under. I'm okay with that. And then just let me have my putting weeks. And that's that's kind of the that's the game. You know, it's and to your point, I say it all the time. It's not drive for show, putt for dough. It's the other way around. Like you putt for show. You just go, you want to have some putting weeks, but you drive for dough, you ball strike for dough. And um right. That's the game on the PGA tour. I get a lot of questions about Fowler and his swing. Like I know his coach, John Tillery pretty well, of course now butch allegedly Ricky went out there and asked him, you know what, here's what I'm working on. Wanted his blessing. And I think butch gave it to him. There's two things with Ricky that's happened. One is his club historically has been, you know, he takes it back and he kind of lays it off. Mm-hmm. And then he steepens it in transition, which is not a technique that you're going to teach. That's not a technique you teach on the lesson T. If you teach that technique on the lesson T, you'll make no money. Like you're going to like, you're just, no one's coming to you. Right. So it's a, it's an idiosyncrasy of a swing. He's always had it. He knows how to make it work through the zone and five-time winner on the PGA tour. You work around it. Well, I think as he had some back issues, from backing up, which that can tend to make you do. He wanted to go after that. I think they did, but I think they've now tabled that because his club still is doing the same thing. I think Ricky went for a period where he tried to get a little steeper at the top, like get it more down the line so it could work a bit shallower coming through and then he could cover it better. I think that's been tabled. That's a huge change to make, Ryan. Like, for a, a tour player, that's a huge change, especially when you have the genius of Ricky and you know how to, you know, you know how to make that. That may not be a move you teach, but boy, it's tough to change. But I do think his body movement's gotten better. I think he's like loading up a little more into his trail side. He used yeah. to kind of spin away from the post, kind of hang a little left. And then when he would turn, like counter that with a shaft, he'd back up. So it sounds like at least this is just my eyes telling me, and I'm looking to get John on the podcast here soon. He's loading up better. Now he can kind of go back to his left, cover it better, and just kind of leave the shaft alone. That's what my eyes are telling me. I'd love, hopefully, get Tillery on soon to give us the real goods and to see if perhaps Butch has got a couple other things to say. Who knows? Whatever it is, Ricky looks confident. Hopefully there's no lower back pain, and hopefully he can build on this because the sport's better with Ricky Fowler. There's no question. It is. And I, I, again, if it was just Rory McIlroy on Sunday, no offense to Morikawa, but if it was just Rory McIlroy against Bob Streb, no offense to Robert Streb either. But if that was your twosome on Sunday, there right. would have been no uproar on Twitter about why we're not watching this all 18 holes. But Ricky Fowler is a really interesting case. He's, like you said, got a handful of wins. He's 
one of the few people in the history of this game to finish in the top five in all four majors in a calendar year. Uh, only guy also to never win one by doing that. But he, he is in this really interesting place of trying to become more reliable with his delivery, trying to kind of modernize his swing a little bit. And I, I agree with you. I feel like he's getting through the ball a whole lot better. Yeah. The, the whole takeaway and come, you know, laying it yeah. off thing could, could be better, but one thing at a time, if, if you're hitting it more consistently and a little bit more power behind it, maybe if he, like you said, they can take that back onto the table somewhere down the line. But if he feels comfortable doing it this way and can deliver the, the club head to the ball as he'd like right. and still get good power out and get reasonably consistent, just more consistent because that's it. That was the whole reason for all of this work was he was so inconsistent. So if you can still be flawed and more consistent, I think we're going to take that over total overhaul and in the wilderness for years. So, yeah, yeah, I agree. I don't think that club will ever be on the table again. I, I think I was surprised that it, that he wanted to go down that path. You never know how these things work. Um, the the injury prevention and things in there. I know Ricky did struggle a little bit with his lower back there, and um, so, but I don't think you're going to see that club ever not point left at the top. It's Ricky. That's his swing. You work around that. You know, you don't. Yeah. Do you teach people to steepen the shaft and transition? No, you don't. He's an outlier. He knows how to make that work. Clearly, he's done it. His whole career, he's won. Um, yeah, I'm not touching it. Like, yeah, I mean, loading up and getting like that, all that's a little bit easier and more manageable as long as the it's matching up and he can he can still go get it. So I think that's where we're at. It feels more attainable now to me as a teacher. And um, I hope he can I hope he can build on it because strokes gain off the tee. He was 5.5 and that's the best driving week he has had since 2019. When he last won <laughs> at since he, at the open championship where he finished sixth, but yeah, you go back to waste management. Yep. And exactly positive 5.6 off the tee. How about that? Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's his <laughs> number. I mean, that the not to yeah. kind of be a, so that's a great sign. That's a great yeah. sign. I mean, yeah, yeah, I was, I was happy to see it. I like Ricky. Um, you know, he's, he's so good for the game and man, you got Spieth back. We get Ricky back. I mean, a smiley Kaufman comes back. I mean, this is <laughs> right. Like we've got, we got it all figured out here in golf. A smiley Kaufman makes it back, which I hope he does. Cause I love smiley too. And we, uh, we got them all tiger. It's just a, get all the boys back here in, in the game. Just line them you know, up and sprinkle the elixir on them and, you know, <laughs> let, them, let them get out there. <laughs> Ryan, you're the best, man. Uh, good stuff on your, uh, all your opportunities coming up with iHeartRadio. We'll, we'll certainly check it out. You can follow him at Twitter at Ryan Ballinger. He's a great follow. Always enjoy talking golf with you, and um, we'll do it again. Thanks, Travis. Appreciate it. Let's take a second to talk about the folks over at Encore Golf. Encore has earned a reputation across the golf industry and with golfers everywhere for its combination of value, performance, and customer service. Their team in Buffalo, New York, is flipping the script on golf technology through perimeter-weighted balls made with the high-density particles and proprietary nanotransitional layer offering players enhanced accuracy, 
control, and distance. Encore recently added the Vero X1 to its suite of award-winning golf balls, one that already included the Golf Digest gold-rated elixir and low compression Avant 55. Through its full suite of golf balls, Encore can help transform any golfer's game. Visit EncoreGolf.com backslash Travis Fulton for more info about Encore and start revolutionizing your game. Now back to the Stripe Show podcast.